0: Well, hey there. Welcome to the They Coined It podcast. Technically, They Coined It, a madman podcast. I wanted to introduce our podcast to you because in all likelihood, you are finding us for the first time. You've come back to this pilot episode. This is a little bit of a retrofitted intro nearly a full year later. I wanted to come back and say who we are so that if you are, in fact, that person finding us for the first time, you'll know what's going on. I'm Roberta Lipp. I'm one of the hosts of the show. Dan Jasper, you will meet once you get inside. He is the other host of the show. On July 19th, 2007, the pilot episode of Mad Men premiered on AMC. On October 19th, 2007, my sister Deborah Lip and I launched Basket of Kisses, which became the go-to premier blog fan site for the show. We wrote about the show for the duration. We actually expanded and, and covered other shows and other cultural topics, but we were always, first and foremost, a Mad Men blog. Dan Jasper joined as one of our writers. Basket of Kisses had its fingers on the pulse of the fan base What fans were saying, because there was a lot of commenting. It was super interactive. And we had a relationship with the show. We've had many conversations with Matthew Weiner. My sister and I visited the set. We had lunch with John Hamm, all kinds of shenanigans. Later, we were contributors to Matt Zoller Seitz's wonderful book, Mad Men Carousel. So we have a long history writing about and talking about and analyzing this show. The only thing we had never done before was podcast. You will hear that. <laughs> you will hear that greenness in these early episodes, but you will, I think, recognize right away that the analysis is what you want as a fan of the show. We skip the fluff, we get right to like how it works. We've got some behind the scenes stuff. We have great reverence without being afraid to criticize. So just wanted to really set that up for you. Welcome you here. Again, please be patient. You will hear a distinct difference between the sound quality of this upcoming episode and what you're hearing right this moment. So just bear with us. And I, I think you will find it more than worth it. So without further furtherness adieu. what does that mean? It's French, right? Let's get to it. Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. Dan, how are you? Good, Roberta. How are you? I'm, you know, kind of... I'm You're fabulous. excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, we've, been, uh, we've been ready for this for a long time to take this dive into these episodes. and It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. So we are here today to talk about the pilot episode of Mad Men, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. What do we know about it, Dan?
1: Well, it aired for the first time July 19th, 2007. It was written by Matthew Weiner, the creator of the series. And directed by Alan Taylor, so that was the pilot, the pilot helming of the uh, of this episode of the series rather, and uh, kicks us off into the world of
0: Mad Men. So it starts with, uh, well, it starts <laughs> with with our title, our podcast title, uh, and then it takes That's us right. into uh, the that lounge restaurant.
1: So we have this uh, introduction to Don Draper with what would become kind of a a motif that we see throughout the series of Don's, the back of Don's head. And we're approaching it, and that's what we see. In fact, the the logo of the show is Don with his right arm outstretched, smoking a cigarette, and um, and the back of his head in kind of this silhouette type of figure. It's really striking. It's a great logo for the show, but at the same time, it's, it's our first image of Don as well. And... Uh, Don is alone in a crowded bar uh, and he's making notes and he's thinking and it's clearly work related and he uh, does something that we would will come to sort of identify with Don which is chatting That's with right. strangers. He's
0: so and comfortable. He's uh,
1: talking with the talking with a, a busboy uh, an older African-American gentleman who is clearing the table and Don's kind of trying to draw him out, trying to get some market research, right. you know, from this guy. What do you smoke? What do you like? When did you start smoking? What's it like? Right, How right, to get right. you to switch brands. He's really kind of digging into it. And we immediately see him chastised and uh, kind of admonished. And uh, Don kind of, you know, shoes shoos- the guy away and says, no, let's, yeah, what, let's keep talking. What I
0: noticed there um, – uh, on this viewing and, you know, this is my, I don't know, 25th viewing of this particular episode of Mad Men. Um, And I always notice new things. um, It's just how comfortable Don Draper is in his status, in his, um, you know, he has no problem striking up a conversation with, with the bus boy, but he also has no, uh, Mm -hmm. no qualms about 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 his admonishing of the of the 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 head waiter or whatever that that guy was Mm -hmm. um you know just putting him in his place you know so that's a that's a man that's a man secure in his own position in life
1: you know don talks to who he wants to talk to he's he's got a purpose for it it's part of his nature it's part of his makeup um and he's kind of not going to let anything get in the way of, of what he feels he needs to do you know what i find funny is uh you know they're talking, and I started smoking in the service. blah blah blah. And then um, I think the I think the the busboy says, "Yeah, I read about how they're they're dangerous. I read about that in right readers' Diabetes. Right, right, right. And and they start sort of. Uh, 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 Don references women. Uh, Lady, lovely la-
0: ladies love the their magazines, and, is what the busboy says.
1: Yeah, that's the that that's the busboy's line. Ladies love their magazines, and they kind of shake their heads. And it's just funny—you've got this incredible imbalance of power, as right. you just referenced, Roberta, between a, a black bus boy and a white businessman. And yet, they could both take a moment to kind of that's right. shit on that's women. right <laughs> in their in their sly yeah, little and actually, little language. The, and, well, uh, yeah, the,
0: uh, no, I just think that it, this, the the re- um, sorting the resorting of the sta- of the hierarchy happens several times in the same in the in this very tiny scene, right? It's like who's over yeah, who sure changes and is ascertained and is reestablished and is, you yeah. know, but women.
1: Yeah, the bus boy's boss comes in for a second, That's, then he's shoot away, then it's, then it's just them how about those ladies. ladies? <laughs> yeah. What we soon learn is that he is he's struggling with something. He's got a meeting coming up with yes. Tobacco. Makers of lucky strike cigarettes. And he needs to assuage their fears that this this article that came out, this Reader's Digest piece that the, the busboy referred to. Um, we learn that the latest one is is that basically cigarettes cause cancer. And uh, so Don has this meeting upcoming. And what the hell is he going to tell him? That's the sort of that's the
0: that's right. the kitten up
1: in the tree that we're we're trying to rescue uh, through the <laughs> opening of this episode. And one of the uh, although it's introduced at the bar with the the uh bus boy in that discussion uh we see don making a bit of a booty call down in the village to his girlfriend midge who, who is played by the lovely the incandescent
0: woman. i mean she is Strike just incredible
1: in so um and midge is this kind of free spirit bohemian living in that
0: fabulous God, apartment
1: this, really, <laughs> this apartment that uh, you know probably fetches fifteen grand a month right now, um, and it comes up again. I don't, you know, and, and to me, what's so interesting, Roberta, is right away. This is now like the second scene of the series, and we see Don, you know, kind of wringing his hands a little bit, and she's prodding him, "What's the matter?" And, uh, and he says, "I don't want to go to school tomorrow." And not only is that obviously in reference to this conundrum that he's facing but Don has a uh, Don, Don wants to run away to, from home to, to, to <laughs> Don's reaction to crisis is clearly in the flight, yeah. in the flight camp um, not the fight camp
0: you know I, I want to talk a little about what the job of a pilot episode is because I have a, a great reverence for a great pilot and um, I know that Matthew Weiner does as well um, we talked to him about this, and he referred back to his work on The Sopranos. And, um, you know, just to, to put to put this into some historical context, where we were when Mad Men came along, it was very much um, being promoted as, like, from the creative mind of... It wasn't quite from the creative mind of The Sopranos. I can't remember the phrasing of all the ads, because um, Matthew Weiner is not David Chase, but he did, you know, he did work... Uh, alongside him for years on the Sopranos and he talked about in the Sopranos how you can go back to that pilot from any episode you can point back to that pilot and in Mad Men sure. and in any great show that is the case um a, a pilot is it has several jobs to do it has to introduce you to a bunch of characters and 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 immerse you in a way that you that you feel like you 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 have some sense of their history, and you definitely want to move forward with them, right? You've got your um, we haven't met her yet in our kind of in our timeline of the episode, but you know Peggy is your avatar for you. Picked Peggy's first. There's two there's two plots going on here, and they're not huge plots, but there's the the cigarette crisis. There's there's we need mm-hmm. to figure out how to rebrand Lucky Strike so that it doesn't sound like it's going to kill mm-hmm. you. And Don's crisis about that, and then we've got Peggy's first day, right? These are the two sort of, and 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 Peggy would be the, the, the avatar. Well, I would, I, I would add the Mencken account
1: kind of becomes a third story, but but those. Sure, two and Pete's them.
0: getting married. I mean, there's th- there's there's a, that's why it's, it's yeah, this show is so um, there's a lot going on, and there's nothing going on all at the, the same time. But a, a a pilot, so a pilot serves as like a creative blueprint, right, for the show. Now, Matthew Weiner has also said he hates exposition. He hates two people walking down the street and saying, so, Roger, da da da, da. Um, So uh, just one line that jumped out at me in this scene is Midge saying to Don, is this the part where I say Don Draper is the greatest ad man who ever lived or whatever? You know, and that right. you just right. learned his name.
1: How That's do you right. introduce <laughs> that? Right. Lived? Have someone kind of teasing right. him
0: over. It's the just back. brilliant. Yeah. It's just so brilliant and subtle, and and it gets the job done. Um. So uh, lots of love.
1: How many pilots have we all watched of any show that we might you know love? You know, you look back on those first episodes and you go, oh yeah, that they hadn't figured out that character yet. They hadn't that yeah that th- they're playing it differently than they would develop into you know. Seasons down the road, the backstory and the hard work of, of of the depth of these characters and what they've their lives have been like to get to this moment of the the the, the pilot taking place yeah. it feels like it's all there. You know, Don's lived a life, Joan Holloway's lived a life, Roger Sterling's lived a life, and they all kind of arrive uh, at this pilot yeah. fully formed, reasons for being there. They don't feel like they. Are just trying on the outfit or the That's costume right. <laughs> for, the, for the episode. They really are. They're there, and and when you watch this, and if you're a fan of the show, you already know. But if you're just getting started with the show, uh, you can really take a lot of what's planted in this episode uh, with you along the, journey, along the journey. I
0: love, I love when so, Don also says he says to Midge, "What's your secret?" And you know, you take that uh, theme that sucker out. Right um you know, secrets mm-hmm. are, are a definite theme for the for the season, especially. So exactly.
1: yeah. So we see so we see Don and we see him clearly that he stays overnight at Midges. He wakes up and he gets right dressed back in his gorgeous uh shirt and tie yeah. and suit and
0: <laughs> goes back
1: to work where he has to change his shirt. Interestingly he's got uh, that's, a that's
0: that scene uh, um I think John Hamm has talked about well yeah the scene with Roger where where Don has to change the shirt miss the button um as an actor there's there's business that's called business right a
1: lot. and he said Uh-oh. that was yeah, one exactly. of
0: the most kind of acrobatic series of business that he had to <laughs> had to execute and make it all look like it wasn't acting right uh,
1: we get to meet uh, Don's new secretary, Ayosa. doesn't I think they meet when he when Don's taking a nap in the morning right he, Doesn't he uh, have to that wake up? I
0: don't know I don't, I don't, I didn't get as linear. Yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> I think
1: yeah, no, I, I I think that was the, because she has to say, I'm the new girl. When,
0: when she's yes, that's a yes. She's yes, like, that is when they meet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so we meet Peggy Olson, this earnest, uh, recent graduate of Secretarial School, a real great introduction to everything by the head of the Steno pool, Joan <laughs> the Holloway. Scene, you
0: know, the scene with uh, Joan and Peggy. In, the scene with Joan and scene. Peggy walking through the the office, you know, to set her up. I mean, Ugh. we could spend two hours just talking about that. Um, <laughs> it's the best. It's and the best. and Joan and Peggy, any conversation between Joan and Peggy is just uh, just amazing. The
1: character of Joan Holloway was not meant to be a major character in. No, Florida's and she ensemble, was she was not meant sort of... to be a
0: bitch. She, she was meant to be <laughs> a, until <laughs> until uh, Christina Hendricks read for it the way that she read for it. Later, we'll be talking more about think, about some behind-the-scenes thing, but, but here's just one moment, which is that in the audition, um, Christina Hendricks read for this role, and Matt looked at her and said, oh, this woman is not her friend. <laughs> and Joan Holloway was truly born.
1: That's right. It's kind of, kind of a, a Mean Girl vibe, a Queen Bee vibe. What you see in this Scene where um, uh, uh, Joan is schooling Peggy on what she needs to do: go out and get what was it, like a bottle of rye and
0: Canadian. You and better find stuff. out.
1: <laughs> yeah, Canadian Club, right? Exactly. Um, all these, all these uh, uh, tools that she's going to need to keep with her. <clears throat> you, you're beginning to see that, um, for all that probably wasn't mapped out. I mean, just that kind of back and forth. The the. The expectation that Joan has of someone who works for her versus Peggy, who we're going to learn very quickly is a very independent thinker. Um, that's all there, you know. You got that that line where it's like, you know, be very honest she with yourself. She says, herself. and
0: she's like, Peggy oh, yeah, says, I'm always on I always try to be honest. She's she's saying, you know, put this, put the, go home, put a bag over here, cut the holes out, look at, you know, take off your clothes, look at yourself in the mirror, assess your your strengths and your weaknesses, and be honest. And Peggy says, I always try to be honest. And you know, that right. it's an odd, odd response, odd response right? It's um, It's, there's so much in it. There's, there's, first of all, it, first it comes across as sort of the, the puppy dog earnestness, the innocence, but I, I, I have now come to view it as a real sign of her strength. Like I am not a. It's defiant. It's I'm defiant. not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of, and it's, a, and yeah. it's, and it's, it's, it's an ethic. It is. I always try to be honest.
1: Um, even for 1960, that is a pretty inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, no question. on the first day to, to go do. Okay. So and, and it's Joan, the queen bee kind of challenging this newbie saying, Hey, I'm going to give you all this stuff to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm testing you here. How tough are you? And Peggy kind of brushes it off. She doesn't respond to the, to the instruction. She doesn't say, why would I do that? She doesn't say that's, right. that's weird or you know, she she responds by hitting that's on right. that truthful note.
0: I always try about it. and, and it's also it's very it it's it shows her uh her intelligence and her critical thinking because she takes it literally. She hears those words quite literally, which becomes a significant character feature later on, how she listens to words, to language. Yeah. That's right. But she's and not she's taking, not the, taking bait. the
1: bait. It's so it's so it's so rich. I could act offended, even if I were, which I'm not. So there was this little this little exchange where she's talking to, to Peggy and says, Oh, you know, you'll make some mistakes and Paul Kinsey, who we're gonna meet later in the series, um,
0: played by played by Michael Gladys. You know, says Hi
1: Joan in kinda of like this overly friendly way and she, she leans over her shoulder to Peggy and right after she said the words, you know, some mistakes like that one to to this day you're not going to see anything as great as that talk about like you said hating exposition that's right how do you inside of 10 words of dialogue tell tell the audience that oh I had a relationship with him it didn't go well he thinks it went better than I did
0: I had to do a quick check because I knew that Gladys is currently on something. And it is, uh, so I just did a quick look and it's Penny. It's the new Penny Dreadful. It's Penny Dreadful city of angels where he's playing a sort of, I haven't seen it, but he, you know, I've just, even from the, the, I've seen the, some, some, uh, clips or previews or whatever, what's the word trailer. Um, he's, uh, um, I actually thought at a glance he was playing Orson Welles. He's not, but he's playing, if you will, an Orson Uh, Wellian. (laughs) type at least that's what yeah. it looks like
1: um i remember during the run of the show there was an orson welles biopic done for tv i forget what what network it was on um
0: right 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 usa
1: or something like that and uh he was up for it and somehow didn't get yeah. the role which is sort of incredible i forget who did get it but um yeah you should
0: he, that's right should well you know case, and this is a right? little bit of a fast forward it comes up in a late in a in a later episode in this in this season and one of these things that makes mad men so great here you've got a an actor who kind of looks like orson welles and then at some point <laughs> they reference it they reference like, Dude, it. you look yeah. like orson welles right <laughs> right yeah we i mean and that's how yeah. a, a, a great mad men trademark using what you got in that
1: kid. so we have uh Peggy visiting Dr. Emerson, but you know, you see the doctor, he's got the cigarette in his hand. He's, you know, he's clearly, um, he's he's clearly uh, had a relationship with Joan of some kind. So it's all very kind of creepy in in that way, but. but
0: It is such a gruesome, gruesome scene for (laughs) probably, hopefully anybody with a heartbeat, but certainly anybody with a vagina. And. He, uh, Doctor Emerson says at one point, "I will warn you now," yeah. and it's about taking her right off the pill if she abuses it. Um, he says he uses those words, "I will warn you now," before distinctly not warning her that he is about to enter her with cold metal equipment. Yeah. and it is pretty uh, <clears throat> not.
1: good It looks not fun. It's not, from any it's not
0: good, point. Dan.
1: Uh, I'm against it. I just want to go on the record. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The, uh, but but I think in terms of the show and the writing <clears throat> and, and the way we see the medical profession portrayed throughout, and and a lot of it's obviously yeah. period yeah. accurate. You know, it wasn't unusual probably in exchange like that. Um, I think the, the pill was was approved by the FDA like a month or so before this kind of March timing yeah. uh, or April timing. Yeah, we didn't,
0: we haven't said, but actually we learn it in this scene because of when she glances over, mm-hmm. uh, not glances, she stares, she checks out the by staring calendar. at the calendar yeah. and the wall calendar says March of 1960.
1: So, you know, we're there, it's it's a new drug. We know this attitude was out there. Um, but, you know, I, I think because of how often we see our characters um, interacting with medical professionals throughout the series, Um there's a real disdain. There's a real uh, POV that Matthew Weiner is expressing this paternalistic, this, um, you know, patronistic, uh, attitude, especially towards female patients, but even towards male patients. So the entire industry is a little bit, he's got real contempt for it, I think. And, I, and, and to me, that's an interesting part of the analysis of the show that, that society put way too much, um, power in the hands of folks not Yeah,
0: interested. agreed. I you know, Matthew Weiner has has said this is not a every this is not a statement on every uh OBGYN. This is this particular one who's terrible. But it but and, and mm-hmm. there's and you'll see that a lot. You'll see that with the doctors, but you'll see that with everybody. Don Draper is not just regular ad man. He is a very specific Ad man, but to, right. but I think to your point also he he certainly has he certain uh, he certainly has something to say about
1: well, yeah we'll bring it up as it occurs in future episodes. Uh, so we go from the doctor's office to uh, Don's dad, eleven o'clock. Eleven <laughs> o'clock. Uh, Roger has set up for Don to meet with Lincoln's department store. That's right. So we learn a lot about what they're looking. For
0: well, what we Agent what we learn do. what we learn is that it is uh, a Jewish department store, which mm-hmm. was a thing. First of all, uh, there is shock that, that a woman has taken the meeting. They, 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 she says, you were, I imagine you're, you know, you were expecting my father, but I'm the one who's running the business. And two, they're kind of like, why are you why are you coming to us? Why aren't you, you know, Wouldn't you rather
1: have a Jewish ad
0: firm, a Jewish ad firm. It's a dynamic that as a, as a Jew, I didn't know so much about. Um,
1: yeah. It was really striking. yes yeah. Well, and it was set up a little bit. I think, I think uh, Roger previews the meeting with Don when he's changing his shirt earlier in the episode. And he That's says, right. uh, do we have any, Jew? You know, <laughs> do we have any, yeah, they were looking for a Jewish guy to bring in and they had, a, they had to slap a slop tie on somebody. Uh, But also, you know, that that line about, um, you know, don't they usually hire Jewish firms? And Roger goes, yeah, selling selling Jewish things to Jewish customers or something like that. I think that's addressed. What's so interesting to me is it's addressed really directly by the parties in the meeting. You know, she says, you know, if I wanted someone in, I know, Roberta, you, you, you love that line about what she says about the father's village.
0: She says if I wanted some man who happens to be from the same village and there's a awesome. there's yeah. a pause and there's a almost and this is something my sister had pointed out years back um which is that that pause seemed to be like she was going to say shtetl and she read the room <laughs> and she changed it. <laughs> right.
1: right. I don't want to have to define shtetl after I That's say right. It. And she says something very interesting when he says, "Well, uh, Don asked, you know, what, what do you want, or what are you looking for, what kind of what kind of customers are you looking for?" And she says, "I want your kind of people, Mr. Draper." And to me, that's such an amazing line. I mean, obviously, it addresses and puts to rest this um, this tradition or this myth or this expectation that the Jewish department stores could be looking for a Jewish firm to sell to Jewish customers. That's right. Um, So she completely blows that out of the water. But to me, that's also this um, another seed that's being planted. Don is a really good looking character. And they don't ignore that.
0: In this that's right, show. which goes Andre back exactly to what I was really saying. Really
1: good looking guy.
0: They don't ignore what's yeah. right in front of you, Don uh, yeah,
1: John. Yeah. It isn't just that's that
0: true. they have this handsome, incredibly handsome actor yeah. playing right. the lead guy. It's that they have this incredible handsome actor playing. Right. It's between
1: me and John Hamm, and for some reason they chose John Hamm for well, this role, but that's water under the bridge at this point. But um, no, they they chose John Hamm for a reason. He's really good looking, and he's not like. You know, he's not one of these guys that's, like, got the crooked nose and the crooked smile. Like he, is. And he still
0: gets all the girls. He's ridiculous. Don Draper is ridiculously handsome.
1: And they cast him appropriately for that. Yeah. And the reason for that is so that the exploration of, of this character and the study, that this kind of character study that goes on throughout the series, is what is it like to be this good-looking and to have all these secrets? That's and right. How does that affect how people interact with you, what they expect of you, Whether they deliver it's, on? It's that a look or at not. privilege. It's, yeah. it's an absolute look at privilege. Yeah. Um, and not just racial privilege, which is one type. But That's also right. the, the privilege that goes with being amazingly <laughs> good looking in a very superficial society, right?
0: which they take a different look at uh, when John Hamm is on 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right. But what do you mean we don't get the best seat in the, in the restaurant? Right? What do you mean we have to wait ten minutes to be right? right? That's right. Uh, um, but 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 in this in this uh, context, that line, I want your kind of people, Mr. Draper. Is, is we're, we're looking to to bump this bump this uh, client base up a level, guy. Right. Uh, I don't want my people. I don't want people who look like they just got off a refugee boat. Coming in for for you know cloth overcoats, right? I want people who are looking for designer designer clothes and uh, jewelry and uh, you know I want people who look like you. I want people That's who right. don't look Jewish. That's right. Uh, who don't look ethnic. I want people that are going to um, you know who look like they came off the cover of a magazine. That's who I want. And within these characters exchange, you're recognizing. Oh, so <laughs> he is that good. He is That's that right. good looking with the story and you don't see a lot of shows do that and they do it here and it's done so deftly and so wonderfully with the writing and the performances. And we have to mention Maggie Siff who's like just amazing in this role. Mm. And,
0: um, and you know, uh, to me, yes. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting I, to say, uh, if, if you, anybody listens to the, po- the wonderful podcast, uh, you must remember this. There's a, a new season out for, uh, the entire season is focusing on a woman named Polly Platt and they're reading from, uh, there's an, uh, the Maggie Siff is playing Polly Platt as in reading these old sort of, uh, writings of hers. So it's just, I'm listening to the podcast and I'm like, I know this voice. I love this voice. I love this. Yeah. Vo- I know this person who is it. And, uh, they say it at the end. So
1: just Lots throwing that
0: Siff in. Fans, oh God, I love her.
1: It. Um, but, but that line, I, I, along your kind of people, Mr. Draper. you know, And it kicks off this theme of Don being being admired and desired by people who don't know him.
0: Um, I just want to add one thing about that scene, and then we're going to take a quick break, which is uh, with all this attention on the fact that they have a Jew coming in, they put out a platter of shrimp.
1: There you go. That's the... (laughs)
0: also you know just i said that was the last thing but just let's point out this is the 11 a.m meeting we've already uh they've already had drinks and well they've already had drinks earlier that's right we didn't even talk about the scene where we meet the guys and sal and all that but there's there's already been drinking
1: yeah
0: that's right there's already been drinking Uh, way earlier in the morning and a nap and don had a nap this is like a taking a ride into a, a myth this yeah. this episode, all right. the, all the different times and spaces. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back a brief journey into the switchboard mm-hmm. operator room. <laughs> the way that is set up is just a, such a great moment, but I, I just want with to with flowers
1: and candy in arms,
0: flowers, candy. And there was probably, there was a third gift. Cause it was, it, it was, and I can't remember what they were, but um, Joan was encouraging Peggy to grease the wheels for <laughs> right. the most important people in the uh, office, which are the three switchboard operators. Um, That's right. Of note, one of them is uh, Marge is played by Stephanie Courtney, who may look familiar because she's Flo. She may or may not look familiar right? <laughs> because yeah. she looks really different, Fairly. but she is Flo, the progressive girl. Um, wow. she's a, she's a longtime Groundlings mem- member and, um, Nanette is played by Kristen Shaw. Um, the third is Ivy Zandy. And I don't know who that is, <laughs> but she yeah. deserves to be named cause why not? But she
1: was really good on that switchboard. We can tell that. She,
0: oh my God. She got those calls through and <laughs> you know, that's how you make Don Draper happy. So it's oh all
1: my God. that whole little exchange is just brilliant. What did she, she mentioned something about the previous girl who worked with yes, Don uh, and,
0: Peggy basically spends her whole day getting pellet, pelleted by everybody with messages about how she should be sleeping with Don or mm-hmm. maybe shouldn't be sleeping with Don, but it's all day, all the time. The line is, um, you know, well, what happened? What happened? to The other the other secretary and it's Eleanor moved on. I guess Mr. Draper wasn't interested. Right. So it's just, it's just, it's endless. It's, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, and, and I guess she wasn't also good at her job. And then they say something about, she couldn't get any calls through that poor thing. Meaning, it's them who are well. It wasn't you know, laying the tripwire,
0: right? It it was. Um, it was probably less that she wasn't good at her job, and more that she was. They perceived her to be a bitch to them.
1: That's so right. So they
0: wouldn't put her calls through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, the Again, office. The office politics.
1: Saying a lot with very few lines of dialogue. That's so right. It's just brilliant
0: about the culture.
1: All mm-hmm. right.
0: Shall we get to the? Uh, the meeting? The lucky strike? Yeah,
1: we, we get to the, the real climax of the episode. Don, is we know going into this meeting now, effectively unprepared. Uh, he's got nothing. He's supposed to have, you know, at best, a campaign laid out.
0: That's right.
1: Um, but he's got literally nothing. And and, and he's fumbling his way through it. Uh, there's a whole side story with the use of research and Pete Campbell, another character we've barely mentioned here, who is... Um, you know a striver and 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 angling for for promotions of let's, his own, and
0: let's actually talk one, about Pete because there's not much to say about him in in the next episode, so let's take right. a moment and just let's talk about Pete Good
1: Campbell. idea <laughs> Pete <laughs> what is, a weasel yeah he's he's definitely seen as a weasel. he has a few interactions earlier in the episode with Peggy, where you know um he's just a cad and 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 not even like a charming kind of roguish guy, but just a jerk. That's right. And uh, that's yeah, no, evident he's... in the, and she responds to him appropriately, you know, yes. with, um, yeah, we're, we're seeing this, this kind of striver weaselly, uh, 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 status climber, um, competing with Don, who, you know, kind of does everything effortlessly and kind of is the smooth, smooth operator.
0: That's right, and it's a weird competition, uh, as because in, the way that agency life works, there's account and there's creative, and never the twain shall meet, mm-hmm. really, even though they meet all the time, and it's always kind of a battle back and forth. And Pete's an account guy, and right. you know, so that that competition is always a little bit strange. I would like, yeah. I want to say, you know, something that actually I want to mention is. Uh, both of us, right, uh, watched this show from the from the day it aired. There wasn't any buzz about it when we watched it. We were watching it just from the perspective of, hey, here's this new show that looks really interesting. What do we think of it, right? Correct. With no yeah. preconceived anything. Um, now, one of the things about the show is that it had all these unknowns. The three actors that were familiar to me were John Slattery, who I'd seen in several things, Elizabeth Moss, who I had, who I, remembered yeah, very me. well as Zoe Bartlett from West wing and Vincent Cartheiser. Now I knew Carthizer from angel, the mm. series, the Buffy sequel series or spinoff. Um, and I was left with the impression that um, that guy couldn't act his way out of paper bag. But I mm-hmm. wondered, I did wonder, was it just terrible writing and directing and from the moment I met Pete on Mad Men, from the first scene where we meet him, I was like, "Oh, no! It was mm. <laughs> uh, it was it was bad writing." And uh, he's a you know yeah. he was just such a rich, textured, whole other character. I was like, "Oh, this is an actor." Yeah,
1: and yeah.
0: Uh, uh, Vince, Vincent uh, Kartheiser famously will not discuss Angel in interviews, which is, is of, that right? Yep, I little didn't know that. <laughs> little interesting uh, aside. But, you know, he, he, Pete is a major, major character in this show, and, and we just, we need to, uh, to talk about him. All right, back to the meeting, nice. and I just want to drop He's one on more name. One of the things you'll see throughout the series is that um, that it is peppered with luminaries. And John Cullum, the great stage and screen actor, John Cullum as Lee Garner Sr. Mm. is just, my God, he yeah. is just a wonder. I adore him. Yeah. Okay. Uh
1: yeah, no, I, I love them too. And I think it's a lot of the older characters, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to get to meet, uh, you know, older care. I won't say names here. I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but older characters as clients, older characters as family members. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> Every one of them is, yeah. just, is, is a home run. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. So we get to this meeting and Pete's in the meeting cause he's the account guy. Don's the head of creative, Roger Sterling's head of accounts. And, uh, they're here to help solve the client's problem. And of course.
0: And Don's and Don's got nothing. <laughs> got nothing.
1: You know, again, there was a side story about research and, uh, you know, what they're going to use. And Pete kind of pipes up. And again, he'd be be, he'd be thrown out the window in real life for doing that in a real meeting. That's right. Um, and of course, it, it fails. And Don kind of at the last minute with the shoestring catch coming up with this line of thought really this the stream of consciousness that gives us window into his brilliance as a creative that um land on uh this campaign that you know basically says look uh you can't make health claims about your cigarettes but that means your competitors can't either so it's not a disadvantage against the field it's a disadvantage against what you could have said a month ago
0: that's right so, so we can just we can say anything now it's a, yeah he, he suddenly saw the freedom and the opportunity yeah. where all he had seen before that moment was constraint.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and your competitors are 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 hamstrung same as you. So what do you what are you worried about? Uh it doesn't mean you're going to lose ground. People are still going to smoke. That's right. And his his process is to ask the client about the process and blah blah blah. And again, very funny where Lee Lee Garner Jr. says, I don't know how we make the stuff. And he goes, Shame on you.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) You better know our process. That's right. Uh, He goes through it and the tobacco leaves and they're grown in Richmond, Virginia, and blah, blah, blah. And and then he gets to, We toast it. And that's where Don picks up that point of differentiation, even though most other places probably toast it as well. That's right. That's right. 100%. But here's what we can say. That's right. Here's what we'll say. No no one else is going to pick up on the fact that it's toasted. That sounds, that's inviting. That's, that smells amazing. That's, that's this amazing, uh, well, okay, we're going to say it's toasted. Everyone else causes cancer. Yours is toasted. And it's this brilliant kind of process that he goes through. And it leads to that scene that, you know, if you've seen anything in the series, you've probably seen the speech about Don saying, you know whatever you're doing is okay,
0: right? Advertising um, is 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 made of one thing, happiness.
1: And what's so brilliant is is that you know that wasn't a period specific campaign. That's that right. Was a campaign that was goes back to the 1920s, so it wasn't as if it's toasted. <laughs> it was a real campaign, by the way, was yes. not developed in a reaction to. Um, you know, reaction to the Surgeon General and cancer studies, none of that. But they're using it in this context to be a reaction to. It. And 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 what's so brilliant to me about Mad Men in general is they're not looking to make a point. They're not looking to be... It's not Forrest Gump. They're not looking to solve every problem with some period-specific solution. Yeah. Um, what they're more concerned with is this kind of broader message and what it says about, frankly, America that um, we can address concerns over health with this completely distracted message. Distracting that's message.
0: Right. That's exactly And
1: right. it's brilliant. And that's what Don is really saying. And it sounds like a hero moment when in fact it's it's a little cynical. Yeah. That's it's, right. It's the seeds of your downfall. It's very cynical. But of course cynicism, you know, no, no, no one ever went poor being cynical in advertising. So uh, there's this there's this hero moment of him saving the day. Um, and the fact that it 's not a period specific solution, I think is so brilliant because uh it was a real campaign they They really did say it 's toasted about their about their tobacco leaves, but uh man, it has nothing to do with 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 the cancer messaging um but it says so much more in this context in the yeah. way that that it 's brought out, and it was so well done
0: you know what what i what struck me in this viewing that had somehow eluded me in other viewings. And, and, and this, this definitely came with the, uh, the advantage of hindsight. Don's delivery of that, you know, we've, we've been watching him in a meltdown. I mean, that's been his journey in this episode is he is, you know, he may be poised with the, with in the restaurant, and he may be poised with, with Peggy, but every other scene is him Freaking out that he has come up with nothing and that everybody's going to figure out that he's a fraud, Mm -hmm. you know, his own sense of imposter syndrome. And when you Mm -hmm. watch the delivery of this uh, ultimate, this pitch, there are practically tears in his eyes. Yeah. and that and you know and you hear him say. you can see it. It, it this this didn't require hindsight you see him saying everything's gonna be okay he's mm. definitely saying it to himself to soothe yeah. himself after what That's he's right. been through but my god we are watching the man a man on the edge of a of a breakdown
1: advertising is based on one thing happiness and you know what happiness is happiness is the smell of a new car it's freedom from fear. It's a billboard on the side of the road that screams with reassurance that whatever you're doing, it's okay. You
0: are okay. Yeah. And we're about to spend seven seasons with him. Seven TV seasons, which is which is more like a decade. And uh, you know, yeah, Don Don. Don goes right up to that edge more than that's right. That's
1: right. Well, fear stimulates his imagination. That's what he says.
0: It does indeed. When Don confronts Pete after the Lucky Strike meeting, he says the line: "It's not like there's some magical machine that can make copies."
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> now again, I think I think you agree with me on this. Uh, I'm watching this as a brand new viewer, trying to see if this is going to be a show I want to stick with or not. Right yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. that line, while it was clever and I enjoyed that it was clever, I was like, oh, I hope this is a You don't want to a, hear that
1: every week. You don't uh, want to hear some version of that every a, a week. Little, <laughs> right. Of
0: little punchlines, of little yeah. of little nods to winks. Yeah. to winks and nods to the to the to the future and to the past and all that. And the show is, you know, I mean it, it it's done every once in a while. And and there's a moment in in uh the in next week's episode and we'll talk about that. Um, If you know what I decided when I heard that line was if this is what this show is going to be, I don't know if I'm sticking with
1: it. Yeah, these better be few and far between. And and in reality, they're few you know, and far between. They they were. And what they do, rather than doing that, is uh is no. You you you. That episode starts. You are in that world. You are right. in that world. You are not talking about you know what's going to be 25 years in the future. You know, on a given day in New York City at an ad agency in 1960.
0: There's a couple more things. So first of all, yeah. he goes and he has the make it all better meeting with Rachel, and right. we see what is a distinct spark, which we had not seen oh, yeah. before. I mean, That's she right. comes right up close to him when she says goodnight to him. He is kind of a dick to her, and mm-hmm. then she sees right through it and doesn't back down. So there's right. there's more to perhaps, which is but- why we
1: love her. She we, is God, we she love is her. Don's match without question.
0: I'm, I am. I am such a Rachel Menken fan. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then we get to Peggy's apartment. Well, then we get to the bachelor party, right. And mm-hmm. there's plenty there. And we're, you know, and all that ambiance, and we're, we're not mm-hmm. going to talk about every single thing. Um, but, uh, there's so much, you know, we could spend five more episodes on every episode, but then we've got, um, Pete showing up at Peggy's store. Yeah. And <sighs> Dan, go ahead and ask the question that you've asked yourself and me
1: well look for 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 a show that's already very quickly established itself as planting seeds and everything being thought out. I don't see one line of dialogue no. or one look or wink or whatever that would lead us to believe that that Peggy would would let Pete in her apartment. That's right nothing
0: and i'm nothing. going i will i will i stand by this till the end of time i didn't see it coming either don't get me wrong it's not it's not seated um in the in the in the in the typical way that a that a, um that a you know again Matthew Weiner defies nor, the norms nor is of television it there
1: upon, but not, but nor is it there upon repeat viewing it's not like oh, no, 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 if no, that's you look right. at it closely yeah, like it, there's nothing
0: yeah it's not like going back to the beginning of the sixth sense where it's all there's, there it's yeah, definitely there's no
1: telegraph
0: there's yeah. no telegraph however i will i stand by once i see it i get it if you if you want to know why peggy says yes it's because of the cruelty it's because she's been devalued and devalued all day and probably longer than all day yeah. right mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. this is um you know elizabeth moss such perfect casting in her her version of beauty that is not the kind of beauty that's going to get attention with, Mm -hmm. and she, and she let herself, she did those terrible bangs and, Mm. and, you know, she, she, she is not the girl that gets that, that has all the boys come into the yard. And the boys. And when the boy came to the yard after a day of being told you're not good enough, you need to sleep with your boss, your boss rejected you. And that was a very kind move. But still, Mm -hmm. rejection is rejection. And just being this slab of meat and this guy, whatever you want to say about him, he goes, I mean, he didn't Google her. Let's remember, yeah. we don't know. We actually, yeah. actually, you know what? I just, I just thought of it. He probably went into a file just the way yeah. he went into a trash can.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? find out her address. Right. It's wacky. And and listen, I can live with people are incomprehensible. So let's not, you, there is no she's why. Also,
0: she's also, she's just gone on the pill. She's actually experiencing, it's almost like I just went on the pill today and here's my reward. I get to use it.
1: Well, well, well. Be that as it may, you which, know, you by the way, the pill getting, doesn't work that way. <laughs> you think, you, right? Well, you, you think all day you're going to bed with Don Draper, and you end up that night with uh, uh, Pete Campbell. Like, yeah. I don't see that as like, <laughs> you know. Again, I totally understand. I've been rejected. It's it's humiliating. I was given all these mixed signals. I fell on my face on my first day. I get all of that, and so. You know, you know, do I get to reward myself with this? With this, no, 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 whatever but, proposition I'm left with at the end of the day. Okay, fine, but that, that's still largely incomprehensible.
0: Uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep fighting this uh, again till the day I die. Just as you said that, it occurs to me, Don Draper's, she's a like nineteen, twenty year old girl, and mm-hmm. Pete is age appropriate, and Don Draper, yep. if you've never had sex before, Don Draper, while handsome, is a little going be, gonna, be it's out little of scary, right? <laughs> well, scary. No, but scary, like scary, like, like actually scary where this guy, now there's a little bad girl to it because she knows he's about to get married. So there's mm-hmm. the extra, but there's the extra flattery that comes with it. See, this is to me, this is the heart of the show is these kinds of complicated, you know, why did Peggy sleep with Pete is not a simple answer. But it it is a complex answer about the complexity of being a human being and yeah. her desires being conflicted and what she wants and what she doesn't want, who she's right. how she sees herself. And I do want to point out the line, oh. the line where he says, She says, you know, what are you doing here? Right. And he says, I wanted to see you tonight. I had to see you. He says this all the while, not looking at her.
1: Right. He
0: literally never over looks her at hat. her over her head. I had to so, see you. Mm.
1: So for, for a work of art that really does a great job of being, as we've said before, surprising and inevitable, right? What you're saying, Roberta, is that it's plausible that she would compete in. Plausible. And I'll I'll go with you there. Plausible. But art is not surprising and plausible. It's surprising and inevitable. There is nothing to make That where you look back and go, well, of course you would have taken Pete in. No, no, no. Plausible. Okay. For all the reasons that you're saying, yes, you can make a case that it is plausible. Yeah, but here's the
0: inevitable part. Yeah, but you're only looking at it from Peggy's perspective.
1: Yeah, because she's the one who could either close the door or open the door. But
0: what we're not talking about is why did Pete show up? And that, if you go back was inevitable if you go back on your second oh yeah absolutely. well but that i mean that that's worth that's worth talking about he's been paying attention to her all day in this creepy way because he's wanted her so i think i think there's your i think that's the 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 piece of the inevitable yeah i'm not
1: confused by why he went i'm confused why she didn't slam the door in his face
0: Mm, i'm not i've never been i've never been confused about that not never and I get it. You're right. You're right. It's not inevitable, but I've never been confused by it. I was like, I get it. I would have done it. I would have done it. I would have. <laughs> me Campbell. with my 20 year old self esteem,
1: dripping wet, drunk Pete Campbell on yeah. his fuck yes. bachelor party.
0: Absolutely. We're gonna take another quick break, and when we come back, we are gonna talk about a little more behind the scenes um, and the development of the script, and you know, a little, a little uh, back in the kitchen where the sausage is made. So um, we'll see you in a moment. we're back all right so we want to do a little behind the scenes a section uh we're gonna call back in the kitchen where the sausage is made really especially wanted to tell the story uh um, if you don't know it of the uh, in addition to a couple other things of uh, the pilot script so dan
1: it started with this script and uh matthew weiner the creator of the show famously you know he was the guy sitting in uh you know, a coffee bean somewhere in Hollywood That's right. tapping out this script, and uh, this is the script that he used to get himself the job on The Sopranos. He didn't have a relationship with David Chase, as I understand it, um, but he got this script to him. I think you know Matthew had worked on uh, Northern Exposure and wrote for Becker, and you know had a had yeah. a writing career for sure, but um, you know wanted to work on the Sopranos used this script to get the job for that. Usually you'll write a spec script for the show you're auditioning to be on. Um In this case, he said, look, here's something I've written. And they got him a job on, on the Sopranos. That's and um he did that for a couple years as, as one of the top writers for David Chase uh, toward the end of the series. I said the last couple of seasons, I think. And, um, you know, as that series was ending, and obviously it was the talk of the television industry and HBO being, you know, at an all-time high, uh, tried to get it made through HBO, which they famously uh, and regretfully, I'm sure, passed on.
0: HBO passed.
1: Everybody passed. Fox passed. Everybody yeah. passed.
0: And AMC, which was unknown. So Matt ha- Matthew Minor had this in his back pocket for eight years. This is yeah. an eight-year-old script he's he's right. he's still trying to sell. And he's using it as a spec shift spec script. Right. And he um, so AMC picks it up. AMC is uh, again, it's a it's a poor man's TCM. Uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 not had any original programming. This is a moment in television where we're just starting to cross from, you know, there's been a few of these of these uh, prestige series like The Sopranos, like The Wire, which was still relatively, while respected, still relatively unwatched, unseen. I think you mm. can still say that about The Wire. Um, you've yeah. got um, Six Feet Under, right? Um, mm. And so with HBO and, and a little bit Showtime we're, were kind of the only carriers of this kind of bold.
1: High quality. High yeah.
0: quality, high production values. Uh, you know, shorter seasoned, uh, series and, um, and AMC and, and, and it was becoming more important. Nobody knew that streaming was going to be the next wave, but, uh, but people were definitely, uh, the different, the different networks, the different lesser known networks were definitely looking to brand themselves and make Mm -hmm. themselves viable by having an original, by having original series so that Mm -hmm. you would want them in your cable package. So AMC took the shot. the the shot on Mad Men. Now the script was not messed with by AMC at all. They really let him shoot the the series that he wrote, the episode that he wrote. He only made, uh, he says three changes to it. I think it's actually four from the script that he's been carrying around in his pocket for eight years to what we end up seeing. There's only a few changes. One of which Mm -hmm. is, uh, some joke that, uh, Roger Sterling makes about Nixon. um, the purple heart, the shot of the purple heart. And also, Ooh. uh, with that is the, uh, the sort of the, the, the wartime sound effects, uh, when he's napping.
1: Ooh. Um,
0: because at this point he has fleshed out now, a, a, a season. So the backstory, which we haven't gotten to yet in the series, um, has been written. So now he's backfilling that with the purple heart and the, and the, and the wartime yeah. stuff. And then, um, the fly in the ceiling, um, now, much has been there's was a lot of conjecture about that fly in the ceiling. What's the meaning of the fly? What's the symbolism of the fly?
1: This is when Don's on it. This is when Don's on his couch in his office. He's thinking about the lucky strike conundrum.
0: First of all, the fact that the set had had um, ceilings was really important to the design of the show, um, to date, to give it uh, to time stamp it. The fly, but the reason the fly is in the ceiling, uh, in the light, is um, as a reminder to the viewer that this isn't 1960. It's also now, that a fly in the ceiling is just a fly in the ceiling, like there's always a fly in the ceiling. It just was a little touch of realness that um, Matt wanted to add into the script.
1: Yeah, it went over my head.
0: Yeah. And then just one other thing about the pilot that is kind of cool. There's a lot about how it was filmed, but one thing was, you know, they had no budget. And so those wonderful overhead shots where you're looking down on the street that was set up to solve a problem of budget. So it's much cheaper if you can just put a few old timey cars and you don't have to Mm. get too detailed. Um, So those overhead shots were actually that wonderful uh, signature overhead shots were um were created out of the constraints of the budget.
1: Yeah. So. The close of, the close up shots of the cars would come later. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So that's that's uh that's all I've got. Do you have anything else? Do you have any behind the scenes tidbits you you wanna or any sure. other shout outs for the episode?
1: I, I think I think we covered it. I think we'd like to do do our, our feature here, kick off our feature of favorite or most meaningful lines of dialogue from sure. the script. Don saying to Pete uh, shortly after, he had just sort of embarrassed himself in front of Peggy um, saying, I, I bet the whole world looks like a giant brassiere strap just ready to be snapped, <laughs> which is such a great line. I can kind of see Matthew Weiner like writing it like it's just oh, yeah. a fabulous line to to put on paper. Uh, again, it, having an older character saying it to a younger character says a lot about the relationship between those characters. Yeah. And uh, and of course, John Hamm's delivery is like you know just nails every syllable. So uh, stuff like that to me just stands out. This here in the pilot again, it's about those relationships, about saying a lot with a few words. You know, you get this sort of um, you know you're just a kid kind of kind of attitude. So uh, that, of everything that stood out to me, I love I love hearing it.
0: All right, so. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we will next week. We're going to talk about Ladies' Room, which is
1: another fascinating.
0: gem, another yeah. gem, a, a window into so many worlds. We get to meet Betty Draper. Yeah. All right, Dan. Good
1: stuff, guys. Way to kick it off. We're uh, we're off and running. Episode one, and uh, we'll share with you episode two and keep it going. Any comments? We'd love to hear them. We're uh, excited to start this journey with everyone. Hope you are following along and uh, we will
0: see you next time. We'll see you next time.